The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hi, once again, to Talk Cosmos on 1150 KKNW, based out of Seattle, Washington. And this is January 12, 2019, the fourth week in the Capricorn archetype. And tonight's subject is Capricorn, the ancient wise woman, wise man, often also referred to as witch, witches. So, let's see, pardon me. Uh, here, I think I'm a poet with all of that. But Capricorn, it's a natural ruler of the 10th house, and that's in the northern hemisphere of the winter. And it culminates this fresh start that we began in the springtime. You know, we started, or I started, taught Cosmos in April of 2018, and this coming April will be the return, we might say, in astrology talk. And right now, we're at the square, the final square. And again, this is astrology talk. And it is in springtime, that equinox of equal light. Here, the light is just returning after the shortest light. So the shadows loom longer, and the moon is forever our treasured friend, because dimensions change, just like the moon keeps changing. This was the world that we knew for thousands of years. People in the form of some lifestyle that managed to progress to civilizations, it's been around for 25,000 years. But really, there's evidence that for 3 million years, there's been this prototype that has been surfacing in different types. Some died out, some merged. We all have Neanderthal, and Neanderthals haven't been around for a long time. For many, many years, they thought Neanderthals were extinct. Well, they knew they were extinct, but what I'm saying is that it, they never merged or mated with Homo sapiens such as us, but we have ne Neanderthal, and Neanderthals, as we might know, have these fantastic art caves in France they have replicas, but the point was is this, these ecstatic pictures of great uh, conceptual beingness, you might say. People observed. People were in touch with nature. And that's really the focus in many ways of what this evening's talk concerned with Capricorn is going to be. The mainstream language and its history, which we're all connected with, gave witches a confused identity, and it's well misunderstood. They've been terrible for thousands, well, not thousands, excuse me, for hundreds of years. Which women, mostly, they are concerned to be women, although really in ancient times, men too were of the witch, uh, because it, it is that transformation of energy ever-pursuing energy. So it's really about language, in a sense, and understanding what the deeper senses are being. 
because it's linked to our internal ethics and structure of nature. I mean, the structure of nature actually houses, you might say, our life on earth. You know, we, it wasn't built with cities. <laughs> Maybe for a beaver, that would be a beaver dam or something. But here for us, we had to create that. I just saw a show where it was of indigenous people in the Amazon, which you are no longer unprotected from the from society's eye. But how peop- these peoples, before they were detected, you know, lived without any tools whatsoever. It was very harsh. You can only begin to imagine what it may have been like. I know that one time in my life, when I hitched around for several years, I ended up down in the redwoods down in California. It was way up in the hills, and uh, I always thought I would know the turns of the road, and I could find myself there, but really, now I never would be able to find it. But even there, I was astounded to find out that the airplanes were still overhead. I mean, people had televisions way out in the boondocks, so you can't get away from society. At that time, I figured, well, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. I'll go back to society. So <laughs> here I am. But the point is, is that at one time, the whisper of the leaves was our music. And the moon that shed its light across the valley or stopped and the shifting of the stars, this was our world for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's so deep in our DNA. So Capricorn's inner soul leads many dimensions. Tonight, I have for my guest, Ray Sapp from Grass Valley, California. She's a solitary eclectic witch and second-generation astrologer who prefers the term astromancer. And Ray can tell me when she talks if I said that right. And completing at this time the final stages of Maurice Fernandez's Evolutionary Astrology Certification course. She offers in-person evolutionary astrology readings in her personal artist studio, the Which Way Cafe, downtown Grass Valley. And I know for a fact, too, Ray can do it over the line. She's so proficient. But not everybody has a studio, so that's very special. Currently, Ray is the office circulation manager of the Mountain Astrologer magazine, which is internationally the prestige astrology, not prestige, pristine, I might say. It's just the connector. It, it is the way. It, there's many magazines. But, well, there's not many magazines. This is primary magazine. She also served a year term on OPAS, that's Organization for Professional Astrology, on the board of directors as meeting secretary and event coordinator. She hikes with her dog, Nova, conducts high G magic with her cat familiar, Nebula, Kundalini Yoga, and epic board games with her husband and friends. I mean, it's a delightful life. Hi, Ray. <laughs> Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me tonight. Oh. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I've waited many months when you said you wanted Capricorn. I thought, oh, so this is wonderful. I'm very glad to have you. Yes. Um, and you did. You said Astromancer correctly. Okay. Um, and actually, the origins of Astromancer, it was originally what astrology was called, was Astromancy. And that is divination through the stars. 
ooh, now I needed to learn that. You know, <laughs> I did because I've learned like Pallades is stars, stars, and there's a group of stars. I mean, really getting back or uh, a star, a starte. I'm forgetting right now all the terms, but just simple word stars. But this is divini. Say that again, please. Uh, astromancer, divination of through the stars. Okay, I'm jotting it down. Okay. Another one that I learned recently that I really like is the word disaster. Actually means against the stars. Ooh, of course. Now that connects with mm-hmm. the word I was thinking of. Ast- astere, astare. I mean, there's various mythology. And there's also a, um, connected, I know, one with uh, the Minotaurs. You know, the, mm. the Minotaur itself was called, was really referenced to all the stars. At the moment, it's slipping by. So it's, again, the language, the roots, it's so important. Yes, which I think is particularly important with, you know, the Capricorn archetype and our theme tonight of the wise woman and the wise man or the witch, you know, because to cast a spell, you have to have language. You have to know what the words are that you're using and why you're using them. Consciousness. Boy, that really <laughs> rings a bell. That's excellent. So many times. And it, it, that relates to intention and ethics you know, everything that relates to Capricorn, too. You know, if we, would you say, yes? Yes, absolutely. You know, Capricorn being the final Earth sign in the triad, you know, the apex of uh, the circle as well, you know, the horoscope. Um, it's about the mastery over the Earth element and being able to understand natural laws and that's essentially what a wise man and wise woman would do the elders they had to understand the cycles of nature in order to help guide yes because the in ancient well not yeah sometimes when i think ancient i think well that goes back to maybe greek uh babylonians and and the romans and etc all that but it uh, I'm not even sure what we would call it, but way back um, with green woman and green man, which are the dual signatures of what people considered, you know, the goddess and the god, in the sense that all life has this uh, reproductive, it could be the masculinity, the femininity, the receptive, the the uh, uh, assertive, you know, these energies that are just primal in life. Yes. So, yes, so that I'm trying to remember now whether you were talking about goddess or God, but the fact is, is that along with that is what you were saying about protecting uh, nature. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yes, guiding, you know, being able to understand the natural laws, being being able to cultivate nature and use it um, in an ethical way. understanding the plants, understanding the cycles, you know, kind of we talk about Capricorn being associated with the planet Saturn and Saturn has always ruled time. And kind of like you were saying at the beginning of the show, you know, the way humans have always told time is by tracking the cycles of the sun and the moon. Exactly. And right now the nodes, those lunar points in the sky are in Capricorn and Cancer and it's it can and again we're getting back to whether it's the external 
timing or our own internal processing. And that gets back to this idea that I was just reading about, too, projection, which, you know, when you think of the astrology with Libra of the seventh house, which is the other, that if we don't see it in ourselves, we project it and we, we, we hate what we fear inside of ourselves. This Whoever said that in the beginning, somebody did. But uh, that goes into some of the history with the witches was that there was a famine. I was noticing on some program that my husband was watching, uh, probably a, with Netflix, I think, one of these long documentary-type shows, and that there was a famine back in, oh, probably in the 1600s, I think. I have to find where, where exactly my notes are in all of this. And, <laughs> oh, here it was. Yeah, it was um, maybe 1623 in, at that time. But the point was everybody decided that, of course, it was these people that were doing things that perhaps they themselves hadn't... Uh, because what you were saying is the language. You have to, in order to, to in, have intentions that work. One way of putting it, of spells or intentions, one really has to know and anchor, know themselves and anchor to the highest good or spirit that there is. And for others that may just be not quite so ethically oriented, if if they don't understand what somebody does and there's bad things happening that are out of their control like famines and they're dying then they start projecting and for hundreds of years 300 years uh, witches were killed you know both in Europe and the United States it's part of our history that really isn't talked about much yes well and even you know talking about the projection and the shadow and wanting to kind of push our fears or things that we don't want to own onto somebody else. You know, I feel like the Capricorn archetype is about responsibility. And for me as a practice, it's the practice of radical responsibility. And part of that is owning your shadow and recognizing that this energy is about bringing in the opposites, you know, kind of why it is both genders, both the female and the male. Um, you know, pulling these polarities together and recognizing that all life is one. And while we are on a planet that is a polarity planet, so we incarnate as males and females in order to understand that, that at our core, at our source, it comes back to we are all things. And recognizing that even those parts of us that we find scary or we would like to demonize or reject are things that we need to process and digest um, in order to make life on Earth more sustainable. That it's definitely the energy and the message you expressed very well, that we're really needing to needing because it's in our face it's, it's happening in every corner of life just that business of processing and owning like as you say our polarities and there was language before and other about solar as far as the male female the dualities of life the the god the goddesses that it's that solar uh femininity and solar um, male parts uh, that, that needs redefinition so that they, they can collaborate really in a 
productive, fertile way. Because back to the green woman and the green man that was so, like, the defenders, like the, the green man was the defender of nature and the laws as, you, as we speak and, and the wild animal. And the green woman was of abundance and fertility and, and like, in fact, I was cutting a bagel this morning, thinking about this, <laughs> getting back to basics. <laughs> I was holding it in my left hand. I was thinking, oh, boy, you know, in the kitchen, using your left, using your right hand. And here I'm cutting this bagel and holding it in my left hand and cutting it with my right hand. Now, the left is often thought as the female side, I, I believe, in many you know, thought process. And the right would be the, uh, the male side. Like if you're thinking about your parents or your, um, what, however one relates. But still holding that like a cup, holding space. That was the idea of the feminine, holding space. And uh, the knife cutting it. And I think it's also because I was reading about many parts for tonight. And it was about Arthur, the mythology of Arthur. How it, the whole um, theme gets translated into other stories and there the lady of the lake gives the the sacred sword to to uh you know was holding space to keep it and then she gives the sword for that masculine energy the masculinity so there i was yeah I yeah ate i like the i like the way you say that you know um carl jung um also recognized that you know the horns or the horn which is very associated with the archetype of capricorn is a symbol of fertility and dualism being both masculine and feminine because it's masculine because it's a you know phallic penetrating shape yet it's feminine because it's also a receptive cup yes the cornucopia that came from yes. yeah the goat because mm -hmm. the sea goat, yes, is the uh, sign. Now, I haven't figured out why it only had one horn, though. I must say, even here, if, if, if for some reason I would like to figure out why. but One horn? I feel like it's always depicted with two horns. Well, it is. Oh, okay. So both horns could be cornucopia. Yes. All right. Yes. Thank you. Solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and, oh, here it is. There was an article just a few days ago. In fact, it was the 10th, January 10th in Seattle Times. Traditional masculinity officially labeled harmful by, by a psychologist group. And so what they're saying is, um, because this duality, the support system, you know, the blending of, 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 of aspects, you might say, of, of like we were just saying, the fertility and then the defending, or the cup and the and and being able to cut something, you know, all these different energies, how they collaborate, and really how can they function if they're both not whole? And because of our, I think, rejection of of well, our I won't even put it that way. The necessity for one to lead, going way back in biblical times back to archaeological not archaeological agricultural times you know it also rejected that part of the male part and so what's happened here is it was saying that uh, the ideology the traditional one results in gender role strain and and conflict as we're aware but also they're four times more likely to die of suicide 
I mean, there's real problems associated. And unfortunately, you don't see those problems because they're not even, uh, they're suppressed emotions, so they mask them. But the idea of the stoicism, the competitiveness, dominance, you know, without integrating the other part of oneself. So it's so important that uh, what they're really saying is, is, it says, although men benefit from patriarch, patriarchy, I mean, this is right in the newspaper, but they're also impinged upon by it, you know, because it does limit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it comes down to, you know, kind of what we've mentioned is the imbalance, is that anytime we see one dominating the other, it creates you know, trauma and pain because they need to be on equal footing. We need to understand both the masculine and the feminine. And so when, you know, in our patriarchal culture where uh, hyper masculinity is idealized and a lot of, you know, feminine principles have been, you know, demonized or seen as weak, uh, we get, you know, a lot of like I said, pain and trauma that comes from that imbalance. And so we need to find a way of recognizing both, you know, kind of in indigenous, you know, shamanism, you know, we tend to, you know, see the shaman as the male, but actually in indigenous shamanic practices, it was always two people practicing together. And it didn't always have to be a male and a female, but most commonly it was a pairing of a man and a woman. And what would happen is one person would hold space, you know, kind of create the protective container for the other one to conduct the ceremony. And you can't go deep, you know, into that practice or, you know, the ritual if you don't have somebody holding the space. You know, you need them. Isn't that really well put? In fact, it says, um, well, many things come to mind, but, and I'm sorry to take such a long pause here because it's, um, it, get, it gets back to this whole idea of the wildness and the, the, uh, the untamed of nature that we need to, to be friends with again. And yeah, that it isn't not to ignore any of that part so that we can be whole. I mean, it's part of, and holding space. Yep. I'm uh, noticing here, the sh- well, let's see, so many thoughts come to my mind here of shamanism and two together. Okay, I'll, I'll say what I was thinking. The Bible, there's somewhere, and I'm not really a great Bible person, but it is part of our whole heritage, and it has basic thoughts that have been shared from the past and still continue. I mean, the past before Christ, you know, and in my own estimation as I study on that. So what it was saying is, is if two are uh, brought together, there's, there's this form of energy, which would be, you know, the, the, the God energy and all that. So really that's the same as a shamanism, the same idea of, of holding space, it's it's that that uh, the me and the other. It's so essential. Yes, and again, you know, kind of. 
talking about Capricorn as an archetype that I find interesting is, you know, it's very much associated a lot of the times with the patriarchy, you know, with this kind of masculine quality, and yet is it is a feminine yen earth sign. And so I think that there is still a lot of confusion uh, in the astrological community and our culture in general of this archetype and recognizing that it is you know, primarily a feminine archetype, but that it is both. Like we said, it's the merging of the genders. If Cancer is the baby, Capricorn is the parents, which is that duality of, you know, you need the male and the female to create life. Yin and, yes, and earth, the, the strength, yet also the softness, the holding of the cup, the whole factor. We will return just after this brief announcement. This is Talk Cosmos Sue Rose Minahan with Ray Sapp of Grass Valley, California. So if you have any questions, you can certainly write Talk Cosmos at Info Talk Cosmos, or you can contact Ray at the thewitchwaycafe.com. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Capricorn, ruled by Saturn, the furthest visible planet by the eye. By leaving a cycle based on meaningfulness and truth, Capricorn's energy establishes social boundaries in a structure incorporating rules, authority, and ethics. As a cardinal earth sign depicted by a sea goat climbing from the sea up to the top of a mountain, Capricorn overcomes fears through goals and ambitions to achieve mastery. Celebrate your star energy blessings. Schedule a natal astrology chart consultation with Talk Cosmos host Sue Rose Minahan. You'll learn to better understand what personally fuels your soul's seed direction. Sue focuses on your questions to connect you into your unique heart's desire and your true soul path's birth essence, including a recording and a copy of your chart. Schedule by emailing info at talkcosmos.com. That's info at talkcosmos.com. This is Sarah Stromley at Brain Body Therapy, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build on the collective experience. Bored with the other stations, hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk, 1150, and get some variety. Welcome back, everybody. Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan, and Ray Sapp of Grass Valley, California. We're talking about Capricorn, the wise woman and wise man. So this duality that you're speaking of, or we're speaking of, where men and women, we want to be whole. We want all these pressures of our prescribed role models and searching for our self-awareness and determination. As you were saying, we have these we were the child, we're the parent, we're the leader, we're the learner. Yes, it's, it's quite a 
a, a lot to synthesize. Yeah, and I think it's important to, you know, to recognize as we use language that, you know, masculine doesn't just mean male and femininity doesn't just mean female. You know, we have both. You know, I am a female and yet I have masculine qualities and I have feminine qualities. And I think sometimes that that can get misused. This is essentially the ingredient that's been missing that I think evolution in many terms is consistent. When I say evolution of thought, consciousness, because everything is going towards is that wholeness. It's absolutely paramount to recognize. Yes. And so by redescribing them, just as we're saying about what you're bringing up is the words that we use, that we can't have intention, these tools, maybe talking about some of these tools are really important to help us figure out because it's that consciousness we need to to connect with. Yes, and you know, even the, you know, queer astrology movement, which I think is really great, kind of talking about that even though different signs, you know, Capricorn being a yen feminine sign, that it doesn't, you know, equate to gender necessarily. It doesn't mean that feminine means female. You know, that all of us can embody both the masculine and the feminine at any time. And that sometimes the overuse of, you know, this is how this planet works in a man's chart and this is how it works in a female's chart can be really damaging. It's too restrictive. You know, Capricorn yes. is boundaries because there has to be a structure. At that point, there is structure. Um, I mean, just the limit, you know, it's the furthest planet we can see. It keeps an even keel around the sun. Um, but, yes, we can reframe the, the, the connections, you know, the, the you know, yes, exactly, the, uh, the focus of it. Yeah. And again, the importance of how we use language and, you know, kind of us talking about how Capricorn is the archetype of the elder, you know, in native traditions, the elders were the storytellers, you know, they were the secret keepers. And, um, you know, I read an article recently called The Memory Code, How Oral Cultures mm. Memorize So Much Information. Yes. And it's on the conversation.com. But it was really neat. And it kind of talked about how they use star maps, but also how you know, the earth itself holds memory for us. Uh, kind of like when we go to a place that we haven't been in a long time and the memories that flood back to us just because of the way space holds that for us. You know, how earth draws memories back to us. And, you know, I think that that's a really important part of this archetype is knowing how to use language, how to tell the stories, like we said, to guide and, um, you know, bring forth the next generation of elders. All of this relates right to Capricorn. When you think of ancestors, traditions, like, you know, just that, the, the lineage, but, but also when it's a matter of laws, because it's not just man-made laws, as we keep saying, is the nature laws of nature, this whole cosmos that we're affected with, and these old energies, uh, they really really want to uh, 
have us understand that there's more than just the tangible, that what we're thinking, how we speak, manifests that, how we're feeling. It's all that connection. And yeah, we need to leap, you know, forward and, and have that intuitive, intu- intuitive space lives. You know, there's a reality to it. Yes. And I like what you said, the intention of your words, Um, again, to kind of come back to language, you know, the word abracadabra, which is always associated with magic, it actually the root of it and what it means is as I speak, I create. So much we've lost. That's excellent. And that's really the key. You know, when you think of all this new age movement, for lack of other words, to put it again and again, it's telling, well, the law of attraction, which started bond a whole bunch of things what eight ten whatever years ago and it roots back to how do you feel and then how do you really purely think and what do you say to yourself and the whole idea if you say don't touch that the brain hears touch that don't isn't a word <laughs> that yeah we even connect with but it gets deeper than that it's really very much about what is best what is in my best interest or what do I need to know? Or what am I missing to understand? You know, there's so much. I mean, prayer is always a word that's used. But I don't know if people, that, that language that we converse with ourselves and not out and, and really perhaps, you know, and this is thought that we keep, it's projected that spirit is outside of ourselves that we've, because it's been exiled. We exiled the Lilith and the green woman and, Oh, boy. Yes. Well, you know, I think it's interesting, too, is, um, you know, kind of talking about the gender of Saturn, you know, Saturn depicted as a male god frequently and devouring his children. And yet, you know, within nature or even, you know, the Lilith archetype is you usually always see the feminine energy devouring their children. And it's always kind of a protective measure. You know, they devour them to keep them safe or, you know, well, to avoid harm. Yes, and I, I've but I've wondered when it comes to Lilith that 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 wasn't that was a story I think presented because of by being by leaving and feeling people feeling that they had been rejected, they attributed all these false things to her. So I'm not really sure about how you know <laughs> whose side of the story that is. But I do like this idea that you're saying of protection, because isn't that true, too? When we want control over something, we, we, we imagine it's going to be harmful. It's too much management. And every entity you know, needs to live, needs to have its own life. Yes. Well, and again, kind of like you were saying with the Lilith archetype of how we have attributed um, some things that may not be true according to, you know, the reality of the myth. And I think that that's, you know, very true if we talk about patriarchal society and the idea that there is the theory that we were originally a matriarchal society. And um, once science illuminated the fact that mm, the male semen participated in procreation in a way that we didn't understand before. You know, we thought that women kind of just miraculously created life. And once we understood their the part that they played was when the balance started to shift. And, you know, we kind of switched to that more 
masculine control, the patriarchal control. And anytime you have that kind of shift, you see that the new desire for control will put fear on the old ways of being, you know, so all the like feminine myths, all the feminine archetypes, which, you know, I believe that Capricorn and Saturn are really a part of have, you know, become the great malefics, you know, they've become the wicked witches. They, you know, all these, like I said, children eating is a very common myth associated with witches and again, Saturn and how, if you make them afraid of it, then they're more likely to move away from it and follow your new regimen or your new regime. Fear does work that way. I know we tamed wild animals until they realized that love actually worked a little better, you know, you know in some ways. But it is those... Well, and, it, mm-hmm. well, and again, you know, the, the Earth's creatures, you know, all animals actually being part of that feminine energy. And so our subjugation of them, our, um, you know, caging them is kind of this very patriarchal masculine, like we can control, you know, we are the most powerful. We can, you know. Well, essentially the wild is always within us. You know, it's, it's that part of us that we yearn for to connect and Thinking of of uh, the fact of dominance, which in certain situations, not to put total judgment here, you know, that I mean, I don't think either one of us are trying to do that. But just to be clear with this wonderful audience listening, yes. right, that, that we're it's a th- unseen third way here we're talking is to clarify that uh in certain situations, one needs a leader. I mean, this is how it's going to be. We're going forward. We're working it as a cell, in a sense. Everybody has their role, and it, it operates. But there's life isn't entirely like that. There's uh, mu- music, for instance. There's jazz. People play different instruments, and they all have the key that they start with. Then they modulate to other keys, you know, and they... They, it's that entire uh, dissonance between tension and relaxation of, of tonalities, just like the universe. You know, there's going to be a, which is, I don't think, too far off from this conversation, I hope, but vibrational um, ast- uh, astrology, which really gets into all the harmonics and the vibrations of the earth. But um, if we could cooperate, that's it. I think a new concept that there are things that we can't control. The sun, we, Earth goes around the sun, which is a good thing we don't need to manage. But, you know, and all the seasons happen. And whether we have storms or whatnot, yes, there are things that we are involved with. But to realize that there's this unseen cooperation that we do have if we go internal within, knowing the right words, having, uh, realizing that life is changing and realizing what are some of these other ideas that there's wisdom and the balance that balance and order in the celebration of life uh, is fertile just like the goddess and it can you know and that our role is to protect uh, the laws Mm -hmm. yes and it 
I really like the way you say protect. It's kind of this idea, like you said, we need a leader. And I feel like, again, the patriarchal view, and when I use patriarchal, I don't mean just male. I just mean as a system, as a structure. It's kind of, like we said, more of this fear-based domination type system versus, you know, kind of the green way of recognizing that we are stewards of the land, you know, Mm. that we are here to take care of and to really lead is to recognize that balance is to recognize that we have to be within harmony of life, not the dominators (laughs) of life. In fact, that's really when I look at the horoscope, because I pulled it up. Well, we just had, you know, the, the eclipse, I think it was last week, last Saturday, and it lasts for what lasted when it happened, it was two hours and 26 minutes, 28 minutes. Liz, a, a local person, was letting me know, Liz Mouchette, who was on the show. And so there's some ideas that it could last two and a half years, which would be a no-brainer, I might say, because of all the Saturn influences with the planets that are transiting and, and approaching Pluto, you know, both Saturn and Pluto, at least it's the... Um, United States chart goes. So, wait, now I just derailed myself. So I was like, <laughs> thank you. Oh, Aranis, yes. When you're talking about just this fact, Aranis right now in Taurus will be returning to Taurus for the next seven years. And really, is that revolution of getting back to the authentic relationship as a steward. Great word, Ray. Yes. And I think, you know, having both Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn, as well as Uranus and Taurus, you know, are really going to bring that home. This idea of we need to be in harmony with nature rather than this constant battle with it. Because I feel like it is really kind of ingrained itself as almost a battle with our own selves, a battle with our own nature. Kind of like we were talking about earlier with like the projections of the shadows and not being able to own those, you know, darker, murkier sides of our nature. Yes. Yes. The shadow, that's it. We, we could, we have shadows, especially if we, as individuals, and that's where it starts, you know, because anything mainstream, it's a matter of communication and connection in language and thought, which we're helping in our efforts to try to represent. But it's really a matter of realizing that those disagreements we might have with what we fear is because we're ignoring the fact that everything isn't just physical. Yes, that it's, you know, the blending, the merging of the physical and the spiritual, you know. Yeah, there are unseen laws that we live with. And so we may not know everything, which hardly we could. And as we grow along, we realize how little we do in some ways. Yet, hopefully, we can get to know ourselves better. And in doing so, by doing this internal work, by, by listening to the language, I love the fact that you brought that right in the forefront, Because it is that intentional purpose that we can create our reality and help. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, K. 
Caroline Casey, I think, says it really well, you know, how Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. And she talks about how Saturn is, you know, the root of the word authority is authorship. And so, again, this idea of, you know, casting spells and using language, it's about being the authors of our own lives. Um, what is that wonderful phrase? The master of my, no, the captain of my ship, the master, the, the master of my fate. I yes. have it mixed up. One, you know, essentially, that's it. Yes. And once I used to search and search, think that's the answer, but how do you get there? Well, once I realized, and this is speaking for myself, that I, it, it isn't a matter of having spirit in me. I am a spirit that's incarnated with the tools of hands and talk and, you know, appearance and all this sort of stuff. And so yeah, there's... But- mm-hmm. Well, and again, you know, talking about natural laws and us saying that it is both material, you know, the physical plane and the spiritual is recognizing that natural laws isn't just, you know, the seasons and watching plants grow, but also, like we said, watching the sky, watching, you know, the heavens move. Imagine how many years are just time that people would notice without any distraction, without any sound besides birds or animals or just the wind, the water. I wonder if you could, yeah, hearing the snowfall. Right. Or again, you know, Capricorn in the Northern Hemisphere being, you know, winter and the dark season and recognizing, you know, how we would have been able to view the sky back then. You know, we have so much light pollution in our modern world that, you know, what we see is a fraction of what would have been visible then. Yes. And what was the movement of the stars? Because I'm trying to remember, I have it here, where, well, 2500 B.C., when there was a lot of the um, Sumeria and Babylonian had had been in process by then. Uh, by process, I mean as a as a civilization, it started about then or three thousand BC, and the stars were aligned a little differently because of the uh, processional movement and yes. linked. Yes, and linked up. Of course, it had a different north star. We have Polaris now, and I think at that time, was it Vega? Or are we going to Vega? I should know this. <laughs> anyway, we will. I will return and tell that information when I, yeah, uh, say. But yes, the, watching the sky and the heavens and that, because then, too, you get the experience of, of the cycles. And really, the cycles is what astrology is connected with also, of course. Yes. So when it comes to divin, divin, you know, language was always one of my most, diff- one thing I love to do, but for some reason, speaking the right syllables, knowing which language I was born into in this lifetime was not easy. So still working <laughs> syllables. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, ethics, ethics really is a big part And would you say that has a lot to do with knowing one's truth or knowing the truth of the law, the natural law? Yes, absolutely. You know, ethics is about being in accordance with 
natural law with nature is, you know, talking about Capricorn and Saturn being, you know, our structure about alignment is that, you know, when we observe nature, we recognize that, you know, there is no evil in nature. You know, it acts in a, you know, well-balanced, you know, it never takes more than it needs. And when we can really sink in to that process and recognize it and embody it, then we ourselves can understand morality and ethics and, like I said, be in alignment, um, recognize that what that means for our own truth and being able to, like we said, be stewards of the land and stewards to one another, take care of one another, um, rather than violate nature and create distortion and create pain. And respect, respect the differences, respect, of course, that goes into diversity, but, and that alignment reminds me of, you know, we have a skeleton, which keeps us upright, and that it is as though we're, that skeleton, the spine, I know that in in uh, yoga meditations and meditations, it, the spine is is part of that axis that reaches straight to the center of the earth and straight to the of the cosmic sky. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot that we can do with our body. I mean, Capricorn is the the uh, skeleton and structure and all of that, and so the spine. That's beautiful part about Kundalini. Yoga, which has a lot to do with breathing, which has a lot to do with breath, which has everything to do with life itself, and, and a lot with all the, these archetypes of whether it was green man, green woman, or whether it was uh, the Hawaiian, where Hawaii is the spirit of the breath. You know, that's what it means. Mm-hmm. Well, and being the serpent and, you know, kind of using some biblical imagery you know we always kind of see Adam and Eve in the garden with the serpent and while you know the serpent has been kind of cast as you know the evil character in the story but I think that the serpent really kind of represents that duality recognizing that the serpent entangles itself around the two exactly And again, we have to ask, who is telling the story and why? And, you know, there's so much to understand about that because in the duality part, I want to get to present. But really, when it comes to serpents, it is that regeneration. It's an ancient, wonderful uh, imagery that goes into the um, dinosaurs, not dinosaurs, but dragons, for instance, you know, shedding their skin and the Ouroboros of the ancient, ancient hermetic uh, philosophy of eating its tail, you know, the never-ending cycle. And the other thing is, is that really it's which tree are we eating from? Is it knowledge or is it life? So Janice, I know you were mentioning you wanted to mention about Janice. Yes, Janice, the namesake for Capricorn, or the namesake for <laughs> January, which, you know, Capricorn being the season in January, um, is depicted as a two-faced god slash goddess. 
And um, sometimes you'll see it as only male, you know, with two male faces uh, looking in each direction. Yet the most um, original sources of it are, you know, a man looking one way and a female face looking the other. And so, again, kind of really hones in on this archetype of the duality. I'm so glad you had brought that up for the, the fact that it had a male-female. You know, there's so many mythologies that have the twins again and again, whether it was down in Mexico or whether it's with Gemini and and others. But male and female, which again gets back to the basic uh, fertility of life. And I, and I think Janice was, did you mention or did I, that it was the, a main gateway of Rome. I mean, Rome used... Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is known as the, you know, presider over doorways and gateways. Yes, like... Beginnings and endings. Yeah, the key, the entryway, the portal of the past and the future and seeing behind and in front of you and really timelessness and then moment right now. You know, the ancients had... uh, They were in touch. We need to just stop and recalibrate, recalibrate ourselves. I'm going to take a moment here and mention who our speaker is for next week. And that will be Tara All. She lives in Los Angeles, an astrologer and certified soul sign astrologer through Adam Gainsburg. And a speaker. She's spoken at various conferences and EA Zoom meetings and published in the Mountain Astrologer. Now, Ray Sapp, who I'm speaking with tonight, works directly with the Mountain Astrologer, and Ray is an astrologer, and your email address, well, you're actually, if you go on to topcosmos.com, I have at the menu guests, and every guest, including Ray, is right there, or if you look under schedules now for the month, Ray will pop up with our conversation, the archives, for all the talks, including Ray's and this one tonight, is available. So, Ray, we have, it's been wonderful, but we have about a minute. And we can close and, and, and say goodnight to our audience. But I guess celebrating life and attuning the cycles of the earth. Yes, and celebrating the duality of Capricorn. And I think the entire zodiac, recognizing that I think the whole wheel, we can't separate it. You know, you can't separate Capricorn from Cancer. They are an axis. And I think we see that in the symbolism of the sea goat, you know, the mermaid tail that can swim to the bottom of the ocean and the goat half that can climb to the sky, the highest mountain. Oh, I love it. The unity that is the whole essence. We have parts, but... Let's eat the whole meal. Oh, goody. Oh, that's very good. And what is your email address so that if people want to get in touch with you, Ray? It's thewitchwaycafe at gmail.com. Okay. Or .com if they just want to see your website. That works. Yes. All right. Well, ancient wise woman, thank you very much. And it's just been a total pleasure. We'll connect with our next season with you again. Thank you for having me, Sue. All right. Thank you.
you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.